Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age. A dialogue with representatives of a global, multi-stakeholder community. And I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Lata Reddy. Lata, welcome to the program. Thank you, Fritz. Allow me to introduce who Lata is. You are the co-chair of the Global Commission on Stability in Cyberspace. Not only that, you are a former Deputy National Cybersecurity Advisor of India. Uh, you were involved in several organizations and think tanks, uh, both globally and India. Uh, former ambassador, former diplomat, you call yourself a warrior for cyber peace. A lot to talk about, Lata, and again, uh, welcome to the program. Now, Thank you so much, Fritz. Uh, I, I, I think we are fellow warriors in the cause of cyber peace, because uh, that was the theme on which we we spoke uh, when I was in the Netherlands and uh, at The Hague. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would be happy to share my experiences and to share a little bit of my journey, how I got interested in this subject and uh, why I feel so passionately about it. That sounds like a very good opener for uh, our discussion. Uh, so take us along. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're, we're going to end with your role as the co-chair of uh, the Commission uh, for Cybersecurity, uh, but uh, please, where did it all start for you? Well, uh, Fritz, it all started when I was appointed as the uh, Deputy National Security Advisor of India. Uh, the National Security Council falls under the purview of the Prime Minister's office in India. And uh, when I joined as the deputy, the, the then National Security Advisor, Mr. Shiv Shankar Menon, told me that he was very worried about uh, cybersecurity in India. And uh, it, this was in 2011, so about 11 years ago. And he asked me to take a look at what was happening exactly on cybersecurity. What were the responsibilities between various arms of the Indian government? And how are we dealing with it? And what should we be doing? It was a very big task. Okay. And may I ask, uh, what were your qualifications at the time uh, that people said, you are going to be the ideal person for this job? Well, you know, I think the real issue was we had a lot of technical experts, right, in the Ministry of Information Technology and Electronics, which went by the interesting acronym in those days of deity, D-E-I-T-Y, -E okay. which means a god or a divine being. And perhaps internet had become the new god in our lives, you know, and uh, uh, that stood, uh, you know, so... Essentially, the problem was not of technical expertise. The problem was of coordination and getting people to talk to each other, filling the gaps where there were gaps, avoiding overlaps where there were overlaps, and trying to come up with one coordinated response to the problem of how to keep cyberspace safe you know, for all the users, for all the citizens of India, and definitely for the sensitive government departments and others who would have to use cyberspace. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, when I started on this journey, it was uh, difficult because there were several agencies involved. You know, Obviously, there was the deity itself, uh, the Department of Electronics and Information Technology. There was the Home Ministry that dealt with cybercrime. There was the Foreign Ministry that dealt with international 
negotiations, particularly in the United Nations. And, uh, and they were also beginning to be very serious talks in the Commerce Ministry and others about how do we deal with the question of e-trade or uh, cyber trade or cyber trade issues that are thrown up by, by, uh, by the goods and services in information technology. So, uh, and then there were the armed forces who obviously had their own requirements for keeping sensitive defense equipment uh, uh, safe. Uh, so there were a, you know, there was the space research agency, there was the nuclear uh, establishment in India, all of them had to be involved in some way or the other. And most important, we had to involve the private sector as well. So the question was, how did we do all this? You know, and yeah. what we came up with, I can speak about that yes. if you like, yes. is what, what were the different mechanisms we chose to, to address each of these issues. So uh, coming first to how we interacted with the private sector, because I think that was an interesting thing because it was the first time perhaps in India that there was a very serious conversation between national security uh, personnel and the, uh, the people in the private sector on how do we preserve this particular area of national security, how do we keep cyber, cyberspace safe? And uh, what we did was we set up a joint working group with 10 agencies represented from the government and 10 agencies from the private sector. It's very difficult because, you know, as you know, in the government, you know, there is a feeling that, uh, you know, you cannot be, uh, you cannot be selective and choose only one company you know you you have to you have to effectively interact with a variety of companies so what we chose to do was to use the industry associations for instance we have an association called nascom which is the national association of all the industries um, dealing with information technology data all these other issues makes sense um and then we have the, the, the major trade associations, which would have a particular committee dealing with cyber and information technology, cybersecurity and information technology. So we had like the Confederation of Indian Industries. We had the Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and uh, Industry. We had the mobile telephone industry of representatives. We had people from all over. We had the data security Corporation of India, which is run again by the private sector and so on. So we had 10 people from the private sector. We had 10 departments of the government. And in order to make it clear that this would be a collaborative effort, I suggested we had two co-chairs, myself as the co-chair on the government side and the head of the Data Security Corporation of India, uh, who was from the private sector, Dr. Kamlesh Bajaj, as my co-chair. And uh, they were very happy with this, the industry, because they felt it gave them an equal say, at least in the outcome of these discussions and this report. At the end of three months of very intensive uh, discussions, we came up with a list of what we felt that the private sector and the government could do together. Some of them have been implemented, some of them not. 
Yeah. And at that time, there was a request as to why we were not involving academia, why we were not involving civil society. That question was already on my mind, to be honest. Yeah. And the question was that we had to start somewhere, right? So we would start with the private sector, with the industry that had a vital stake in this matter. And then the idea was that it would gradually expand. And I found that my colleagues in the telecom ministry, telecommunications ministry, as well as in the deity, were very open to the idea of uh, putting out draft policies, calling for public comment on draft policies. And I thought that was a very good way to go because, uh, you know, it meant that uh, the general public was allowed to uh, was allowed to comment on any draft policy that the government put out that would have any bearing on telecommunications and information technology. And okay. so I think that this was a useful exercise and we were able to release a report which was very well received. And then the second part of it was how did we coordinate within the government? So again, with, the, with a lot of help from my technical colleagues in the technology expert colleagues in the other departments, we, we held our own internal meetings with the different departments of the government I had to have individual meetings with each body to understand what they were doing and eventually expanded to group group meetings where smaller group meetings and uh, try to build an architecture where it was clearly described which arm of the government would be responsible for which area of cybersecurity. Got it. Uh, what I'm really picking up from this uh, whole uh, discussion so far, Lata, is in order to get things moving, you need to yeah. collaborate with a number of stakeholders. And one of the solutions which I like is the whole co-chair approach, uh, making certain that one is not more, that we have this Orwellian, uh, the one end up in this Orwellian situation, one is more equal than the other. All are equal, mm -hmm. so we have co-chairs. Um, and, and is this example also the reason why the Global Commission on the Stability in Cyberspace also has co-chairs? Well, actually, you know, that's an interesting question, uh, Fritz, because when we started the Global Commission on the Stability of Cyberspace, the idea was not to, uh, not that we would have two co-chairs. The idea was that there would be a chairperson, you know, who would be uh, Marina Kalyurand, who, as you know, is a is a great champion of uh, uh, of uh, cybersecurity uh, and a great spokesperson also for it. But uh, she would be the chairperson, and there were two co-chairs to assist her essentially. And the idea was that the chairperson and one of the co-chairs would have to be present for every meeting of the global commission because it was clear that not all of us could be there for all the meetings. So the two co-chairs were myself with my background and uh, the, then uh, Michael Chertoff, who was the US uh, Secretary for Homeland Security, the former US Secretary for Homeland Security. So essentially what we had was Europe, you had uh, myself, uh, perhaps representing the global south and uh, India itself. And then you had uh, Michael 
talking about US, which is obviously a very vital player in this whole question when you discuss it. What happened was one year down the line, Marina had to uh, resign from the chairmanship because she became a member of the European Parliament and under the rules of the European Parliament, she could not chair such a body. Yeah. So what eventually happened was we ended up with two co-chairs and uh, between Michael and myself, we tried to both be there for all the meetings, but wherever one of us was, it was not possible, the other one would uh, take okay. over. And sometimes when you had meetings that were largely in the US, it made a lot of sense for Michael to do yeah. that. And uh, when the meetings were in Asia, sometimes I chaired it. And, but most of the time, I would say, we did a great job of collaborating and co-chairing it uh, together. It was, there was never any friction between us. Okay. We were very much on the same page because we both came from similar backgrounds of having been in the government, yeah. but having also experience of being outside the government. Well, what I like about this discussion, Lata, is we're not necessarily talking about the content of uh, cyberspace, the civilian cyber itself, but it's also how you organize the discussion and make certain that it gets traction, which is just yeah. as relevant as having discussions as well. I agree. And that's why, you know, the composition of the Global Commission was very important for us. And we, we drew experts there were, of course, people from 17 countries, which was a good cross-section of the world. There were people from Asia. There were people from Africa. There were people from Europe. There were obviously people from America. Uh, but the question was that we, many of us came from very different backgrounds. You had real technology experts. You had people from the industry. You know, you had people who organized black hat marathons like Jeff Moss. You had a um, uh, lot of people with government experience like uh, and of course in the in the US system and the European system it's common to have people who have both been in government and in private sector in Asia that's not so common but um, you know if from Asia also we had a good cross-section we had people from Japan we had people from uh, from India we had people from and not just myself from India, but you had uh, Samir Saran from uh, the Observer Research Foundation. They've got a terrific uh, cybersecurity program. And you had, uh, you know, as I was saying, spread over all the continents, really. We had people from Latin America as well. And, um, you know, I think that the combination of people from different backgrounds different societies, different countries with different needs, developing countries, developed countries, was very, very important because yeah, that, no, was, that uh, was really something we had to come to terms with. Okay, uh, I, because we're talking about a global issue, so you need the global community at the table. But now this bears, uh, brings me to uh, a topic related to how to organize the, the discussion and talk about solutions is with so many people at the table, um, how time-consuming are the discussions and how can you speed up things? One of the big issues with uh, accountability in a digital age is that the legal and regulatory framework cannot keep up with. So how do you deal with such a global multi-stakeholder community as you just described with all its benefits? And how do you then keep the pace uh, 
in the discussion to keep up with what's happening? I think, you know, what helped us was having the technology experts on board because they would be able to tell us what were the latest developments. They would be able to uh, tell us. We had people who belong to the, uh, really to the technical bodies that oversee the internet, for instance. And we were very clear. Unlike the Global Commission on Internet Governance, which tended to take a very generalist view of things, it was a great commission. It was the first experiment of its kind where we set up a global commission that had people from government, from outside government, from different backgrounds. Some of us were common to both the commissions, okay. you know, some of the members. Carl Bildt was a wonderful chairman. He was the chair of the first commission. And, uh, you know, oh, I think Prime that, Minister of Norway, I believe. That's right, for Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, Sweden he was the Sweden, former yes, prime yes. minister and the former uh, foreign minister as well of Sweden. And again, a great, great advocate of how we should be dealing with cyber uh, issues. Very knowledgeable and a great negotiator. And uh, so there, you know, we came up with a whole slew of recommendations because it was the first ever time. So when it came to the Global Commission on Stability of Cyberspace, we very strictly restricted ourselves. We said we will not go all over the place. We will draw up some guiding principles. Yeah. We will uh, essentially talk about the framework within which we're going to work. We're not going to go get into content. We're not going to get into other issues. We are going to talk about how do you keep the actual nuts and bolts of the system, the actual internet and the actual tools of, the, uh, of, the, of cyberspace functional. Okay. How do you prevent damage to those to the, that infrastructure? Hey, this brings me to another question, which I should have asked earlier. But what is your charter, or the what was the charter or the mandate? Uh, why would people? Why would organizations? Why would governments listen to the Global Commission? Well, I think for one thing, because. We had no particular axe to grind. You know, we were not espousing a particular ideology. We made it clear that we were building on the work of many organizations that had come before us and hopefully adding to the body of work that would be available for others. We made it also clear that the norms and recommendations which we came up with would essentially be available for, to, for everybody to pick and choose. If we were not offering a package where we said, Either you accept in total what we have recommended or you reject it. We said, pick yeah. and choose. Whatever makes sense to you, take that norm and run with it. And that's exactly what happened because when we released it at the Paris Peace Forum, you know, in 2019, the whole exercise started in 2016, but it got over in 2019. Whereas the first global commission ran from 2014 to 2016. So it was almost a five-year period of back-to-back -to, -back to global commissions. And I think that uh, what we were encouraged by was the Paris Peace Forum itself, either directly or indirectly, took on many of our norms when they talked about cyber issues. So that meant that the whole process of what I call cross-fertilization between organizations was happening, which is what we hoped would happen, right? And okay, so, similarly, yeah. we, we made it clear that 
we were building on the work not just of private bodies like ours but also on what had been discussed in the UN. We involved the UN open-ended working group chairman and the UN uh, GGE, the governmental group of experts in our discussions. They came and addressed our group many times. They told us about their work. We told them about yeah. our work. And they were very interested in some of the ideas which we had put forward. And I know that some of these concepts, maybe not the specific norms that we had proposed, the concepts were discussed in the UN, you know, by both these groups. Yeah. And I myself was invited to the open-ended working group to speak to them about the work of the Global Commission and why we felt we could, we could in some way assist the, uh, the global community, the governments. And, uh, you know, of course, there were all the usual hesitations about sovereign governments yeah. not wanting to give an equal voice to civil society and so on and so forth. But in spite of that, we got our point across until today. I'm in touch with UNIDIR, I'm in touch with uh, a lot of the UN organizations. And we do exchange views on these matters because they could see that we were anxious to share our point of view and we were not trying to really be proscriptive in our approach. You know, we were not saying yeah. you have to do this. We were just saying, here is what we found from our discussions. Okay, so take what you find valuable. So what I'm hearing is uh, a couple of success factors in this global discussion, uh, uh, proposing uh, co-chairs, being agnostic, uh, being content driven. Uh, those are the things which help to get where you want to go. That's right. You know, yeah. I think you have to lay down your principles first. What, what are you trying to achieve, yeah. right? Yeah. Secondly, you have to build a framework and say we're going to work within this framework. Thirdly, you have certain guiding principles, you know, and then fourthly, you come up with your norms, which you hope that everybody will subscribe to. And we made it very clear. We said our norms will apply to states and to non-state actors. If you look at our report, which is available on cyberstability.org, mm -hmm. uh, that's the website. There is, it is very clear that in every, every norm, we say states, state actors and non-state actors. Yeah. You know, sovereign states as well as non-state actors should do this, should do that, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. So, you know, we are clear that we, we, you know, that the governments are not the only ones with roles to play. Everybody has to play by the rules of the game. And then finally, we came up with five or six recommendations. And one of them was, of course, that we felt that there should be some kind of mechanism where discussions continued. We didn't really say where it should be located or how it should be located. But I think having a, a conference, a multi-stakeholder platform is very, very important. Now, whether eventually that becomes IGF plus or whether it becomes some other organization, whether it becomes the Paris Peace Forum, whether it's a UN-led forum is a, is a matter for the, the, the actual stakeholders to decide. But we felt this was very important. And uh, a little later, if we have time, I'd like to talk to you about why I'm very upset about what's going on in the world today and why I feel 
that idea of having a universal platform is under so much threat. Yeah. Uh, Lafa, uh, uh, we are at the end of the discussion. So by all means, uh, share your concerns there, because I think that's, uh, I'm assuming, a very valuable lesson and uh, 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 insight. You, you know, I, I'll tell you what I'm worried about, uh, Fritz. You know, the I think the fact that we are retreating into small, like-minded groups is really, for me, it shows a move towards fragmentation, which is what we always wanted to avoid. Because when when the geopolitical issues start coming in and you have these clearly defined blocks of what Russia and China want, what the US and Europe wants, and a large number of the developing world countries are somewhat torn between who to choose, what to do. I wouldn't say all, but many of us. The question then comes up as how, how do we build a universal uh, agreement, you know, and that universal agreement seems to be getting further away rather than closer. There was a time when we could all discuss different uh, approaches in a civil manner. I, I think civil discourse has broken down. There is a lot of preconceived ideas. There's a lot of uh, uh, retreating into very very, how shall I put it, rigid positions of this is bad and that is good and and so on. And people seem to have just given up on the idea of reaching okay. any kind of universal consensus. Can and for we, me, that's a tragedy. Uh, I, um, I understand your observations. Uh, are you optimistic about can we change that course to become, a, it's becoming a universal discussion again? Not in the near future. I think it'll take a long time for the scars of all that has been said and done in the last few years, particularly with the Russia-Ukraine uh, question yeah. and the uh, on the China's growing power and aggression. You know, this all these things have really put people at loggerheads with each other. So I don't see in the short term much grounds for optimism, but perhaps in the long term when the new world order whatever it is comes into being because at the moment i think we're going through a period of great turmoil you know because accepted leaders of the world economy are no longer the accepted leaders new leaders are emerging new blocks of political allegiances are emerging so with all of this happening i think we'll have to wait for the dust to settle before we get go back in a meaningful way to discussions on a universal cybersecurity program that all countries will agree to. And uh, But hope springs eternal, Fritz. And uh, so I'm by nature an optimist. So I would say in the long term, yes. In the short term, I have my doubts. Fair point. Um, last question, then what should we be doing today? What should we be doing in the meantime to deal with that question? How do we keep uh, people accountable in this digital age? I think for one thing, you know, we need to develop better tools to, uh, to find out who is behind the tax, you know, rather than uh, just 
automatically blaming the person with whom you may be in political opposition. I think we have to create a real system of accountability. You have to create a real system of consequences and you have to create, I would say, proper channels of dialogue where no matter what is happening on other fronts, because you know, this is a global system. It's like the global financial system. If we don't talk to each other, the global financial system will break down. If we don't talk to each other, the global trading system will break down. If we don't talk to each other, the global cyber system will break down. Global cyberspace will break down. So dialogue, I think, and perhaps that's because of my diplomatic background, I've always believed that keeping the channels of communication open is perhaps the most important thing. And no matter what is going on on other fronts, when we stop talking to each other, is when when we are in really serious trouble. Lata, those are very wise words we should keep in our minds. Unfortunately, we have to stop, stop talking for this particular interview, but I'm certain your words and your thoughts will resonate. And let's keep the dialogue open because you've pointed out we really need that. And uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking us along about a governance model for having this global conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a pleasure. And as you know, it's my passion, uh, my personal passion. So I always love talking about how we can make cyberspace safer for all of us. Thank you.